Joe Tilly's Great Canadian Sports Show is brought to you by Air Patrol North. Visit airpatrolnorth.ca. Jaina Hefford was one of the greatest offensive talents in the history of women's hockey. Now she's ready to get the PWHL in flight. Joe Tilly's Great Canadian Sports Show. Coming up! Our guest today was born in Trenton, Ontario. She grew up in Kingston, started at the University of Toronto. Central Women's Hockey League Rookie of the Year. Multiple NWHL scoring titles. The all-time scoring leader in that league. In the 2006-07 season, she had 44 goals in 28 games. 229 goals, 404 points in 199 NWHL games. The CWHL MVP. 16 years with Team Canada, 39 goals, 40 assists, and 55 Olympic and World Championship games. Over 200 Team Canada appearances, seven World Championship gold medals, four Olympic gold medals. The former CWHL commissioner, a member of the Hockey Hall of Fame, and currently Senior Vice President of Operations for the new Professional Women's Hockey League. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the program, Jaina Hefford. Jaina, great to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. So uh, we had an extensive uh, preview there, a promo of your career there, but let's talk about how it got started. I, I know that you started in ringette, but uh, how did you end up in hockey? Well, if I can remember, I, I love the game. I have an older brother who played. My parents were pretty involved in the game, and so it was pretty innate for me. I, I had a love for the game at a very young age and just that was what I always wanted to do. So fortunately, I had a family that supported that, could see the passion that I had for the game and and really encouraged me to chase that dream and follow my passion. You mentioned the support from your family. Uh, did you run into any roadblocks along the way in your early days? Well, I think there was always sort of some rumblings around, you know, a, a young girl playing on a boys team and maybe taking the spot of a boy on a, an all-star team, that sort of stuff. But overall, I had a fairly positive experience, at least, you know, the part that I saw. Um, and again, I had a family and support system that really encouraged me and saw how much I loved the game and, and really just encouraged that. So I never felt like I was doing something I shouldn't do. Um, you know, maybe it felt like a little less normal path for a young girl, but I certainly felt the support to continue to chase my goals and dreams. Yeah, there was some craziness. I mean, Sammy Joe Small was on the show. She, in her book, she talks about her standing in line mm -hmm. with her with her father and somebody turning to sign up for hockey and somebody turned to him and says, you know, there's a good chance your daughter won't be able to have children as a result of playing hockey and all kinds of <laughs> you know, stuff that kids could hear. Clearly, that's not a, not an issue for you guys. Uh, let's talk about uh, your rise up the ranks in, in hockey. Uh, uh, when did you get the first get the call to the national team, and how did that come about? Well, I had a chance to play for Team Ontario in both the, the Canada uh, Winter Games as well as the Under-18 National Championship. So that was my first introduction, I think, into, you know, competitive hockey where I was branching outside of you know, my local team in Kingston and getting to play on a sort of a national stage. So that was when I was 15. And when I was 18 years old, I then chose to go to the University of Toronto to complete my undergrad there. And it was that first season at the University of Toronto 
that I got invited to the national team camp in advance of the 1997 Women's World Championships. So I had a chance to go to that first camp in January of 1997, uh, made the team, uh, and then competed in my first world championships that April in Kitchener. Right. And of course, you went to the Nagano Olympics, but uh, in Salt Lake City was the first time you got a chance to play for the gold medal and win the gold medal. It was final against Team USA. And and you got what proved to be uh, the clincher in the, in that game uh, against the U.S., the gold medal right here. Uh, break in on goal. You stayed with it and you stuffed it home for the gold medal winning goal, uh, the golden goal, if you will. And uh, what was that moment like for you? Yeah, it was obviously looking back on it really special in the time you're so zoned in on the, you know, the point in time in the game, there was one second left in the second period when that goal went in. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't one second left in the third period. So it was a, it was a huge boost of excitement going into the third period, but it also was a a sort of a reminder you get into the dressing room and you realize there's still 20 minutes of hockey to play. So Right. It put us up 3-1 at the time. Uh, it turned out to be the winner because Americans ended up getting one goal to make it 3-2. Um, so looking back on it, obviously, it's a pretty proud moment. And, uh, you know, I'd say probably the biggest goal I ever scored. Uh, but in the moment, it was really just about, you know, trying to channel that energy and excitement and take the good out of it, but also realize there was a lot of game left to play. Yeah, 20 minutes can be just about an eternity, again, especially against a team like uh, the U.S., who are pretty good. But then the right. game is over, and they place that gold medal around your neck. And, and tell us about, about that moment for you. I mean, that's a moment that, you know, I'll never forget, certainly. And the ability to, to stand there with your teammates that you have been through so much with. Um, the unique thing about the Olympics is it's really a four-year journey to get there. And coming off of a loss in 98, it really felt like, um, I don't know if redemption is the right word, but it, you know, it felt like we were so disappointed with uh, how 1998 turned out. And that really fueled us for those four years in between. And it's a lot of hard work that, get, that happens over four years to prepare for the next opportunity you have to win. So to be able to look down the blue line and you know, share that moment with those people that have all put in so much work to get to that moment was just really special. And then you, know, you look up in the stands and you have your friends and family there that have also supported you along the way because this that sort of thing doesn't happen without that type of support system as well so it was a really special moment um you know personally collectively as a team you know for our families and i think for our country it was you know the first olympic gold medal in women's hockey and as we all know hockey is an important part of our culture and um so for us to be able to to come back after losing in 98 and get that first olympic gold medal was uh, you know a huge thing for women's hockey in this country well, then four years later, turn Italy, you guys get a chance to do it again. This time it's Sweden in the final, kind of a surprise there, but you got in the big assist on, on this play. Do you remember it? I do. Yeah, that was, uh, again, another great tournament. We had a team this year that was really, really consistent and really just, you know, floating around all season with a lot of success. And sometimes that's a little scary that you feel like, you know, at some point maybe things aren't going to go well, but we had a group that really, I think, challenged ourselves to get better every day. And this tournament was no different. It was the first time we didn't play Team USA in the final, um, but we just had, we were so well prepared and we just had so much confidence throughout this entire season. And so I remember, you know, I remember that assist and I remember the game, the game well, obviously winning our second Olympic gold medal. Um, and again, it, you know, reflecting back on at that point, we were the Olympic champions. So defending that is just as difficult as trying to win your first. 
Well, same game, and you get a goal. That's pretty, pretty, pretty huge. Obviously, uh, sweet goal, a game winner for that gold medal. Uh, what what made this particular game? I mean, you weren't playing the rival Americans this time. You're playing Sweden. Better, same. What would you say? Uh, I think there was a lot of pride in this team. A lot of people will probably tell you that that was one of the best teams we had. When you look at sort of that. Uh, the collective players that played across a few different Olympic games, as I mentioned, we just had so much consistency all season and from top of the lineup to bottom of the lineup. Remember we had a, you know, a, a considered a fourth line and they were a bunch of young players, <laughs> but it was like Sarah Viancourt and Megan Augusta and players that, you know, were great stars and they were, they were the rookies at the time. So we just had such a strong team this, that year. And that's the one thing I remember about that season was the consistency of that group. And how we held each other, you know, accountable to to not let things get loose when we were having so much success. And, and we just didn't do it all season. We were able to maintain a really high standard with that group. And, of course, four years later, this time it's uh, you're getting a chance to win that gold medal on home ice. Uh, Olympic medal gold number three for you. Uh, I also want to ask you, why, why number 16? Why did you choose to wear 16? Well, you know, I started out playing hockey in Kingston and I wore number 14 for the, my first few years. Um, my, my birthday's May 14th. I don't know if that's why I chose it at the time. I okay. can't remember why, why I chose 14, but, um, and then when I got to girls hockey in Kingston, I couldn't, I couldn't have that number. Somebody else had it. So I went to 15 and I played all my minor hockey in Kingston as a fifth, as number 15. Uh, and then I got to the national team. I was, I was wearing number 15 at the university of Toronto as well. When I made the national team, Danielle Goyette had number 15. So there was no chance I was mm. going to take that number yeah. from her as a, you know, a big veteran of the team and obviously a star and a hockey hall of famer herself. So I sort of got given 16. Um, somebody said it's the closest thing to 15. And so it became my number from that point on. Um, but it wasn't one that I chose originally, but you know, it's, right. it obviously worked out pretty well for me. And I, that's how I, you know, associate myself in terms of a number. Right. And every level of hockey from then on, it was 16, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Ever since I, I made the national team, then I, I never went back to any other number. So, uh, okay, you weren't done. Sochi, uh, gold number, num, uh, gold medal number four. Uh, what was the significance of, of the Sochi win? And, you know, at, at that particular time, winning that fourth gold medal. Now you're, you're, you're clearly one of the veterans of the team, whereas, you know, coming up here you know there were other veterans to look to but now you're sort of uh you know you're definitely one of the veterans of this team yeah I mean for me I I knew that was going to be my last season going through those games and um you know had to take on an additional role of sort of that leadership and that that had sort of evolved I'd say from 2010 and then into 2014 uh, that was one of our most difficult seasons, I'd say, across the board from the level and the volume of training to you know injuries and fatigue that happened to the changing of a head coach uh, eight weeks in advance of the Olympic Games. There was just a lot of stuff we were dealing with. So as a veteran and a leader on that team, we had a big job to try to you know keep ourselves focused and on track and make sure that we were in a position to challenge for an Olympic gold medal. Um, when we were able to do that, I mean, when you look back on, on that gold medal game, it was probably the craziest game I've been a part of with the, the change in momentum and, you know, being down two goals with less than four minutes mm. to go in a gold medal game. And it just, I think it just epitomized the character that was on that team and in that dressing room that 
Um, it just, we never felt like we were out of the game with less than four minutes to go. And I know anybody watching that game and probably our families thought that that, that game was over, but we had a group that just wasn't willing to give up on each other and, and give up on that dream and really felt like we were still in that game. And so for that to be my last game with the national team and the way it, it went down and to be able to win in overtime was just something really special and, and just such a special group to be a part of, to be able to pull something like that off on the biggest stage. You know, unlike the men's team, you know, these guys are throwing together at the last minute, more or less, give or take, they come from their pro teams and then they, they get together for a training camp. And then you guys are together all the time. And, and there's, there's gotta be a, like a much different bonding process. It, it must be, it must be like, being a member of a big family, isn't it? It is. You get pretty close to, to people that you go through those really hard moments and those really wonderful moments with. And there's also, you know, no guarantee that uh, from year to year, people are going to still be there. And um, so we really get the opportunity to get to know each other on an entire, entirely different level. And there was a number of players that span, you know, more than a few games. So it's pretty cool to have those relationships that, you know, lasted so long. And um, there's a lot of things being part of a team that you have to, you know, hold people accountable for, and you have to push one another and challenge each other. And so that, that makes those relationships pretty deep. And so it's a, a pretty neat thing to be a part of. Anybody ever say anything to you that really challenged you and you, at the time you wanted to, you know, give them a shot in the head, and, <laughs> but you took the, took the, uh, took the advice and it made sense. Yeah, anything that ever happened like that? I wouldn't say so much that I, you know, I certainly was a player in practice that, um, I played hard against my own teammates. So there was certain teammates that you knew were going to play hard back against you. And so, you know, I had some great battles on the ice with like the likes of Cheryl Pounder and Megan Mickelson, all defensemen, you know, and you're going through those drills yeah. and, uh, Colleen historics and, um, you know, they get, you get heated moments at times. Uh, but you also somewhere along there understand that you're making each other better. So, you know, any sort of challenges I faced, I felt like were more those sort of in the heat of the, the moment in practice when you're really trying to, to push one another. Right. So here's, we have, a uh, here's, here we have some clips from some of your teammates, your former teammates, as they described your play and your leadership. Uh, Vic, can you roll that? She was dominant. She was a player that teams would try to stop and try to check, but she was unstoppable. She scored a lot of goals, but all the teams that we played against were aware of Jaina. They always tried to get under her skin and, you know, maybe hit her a little bit harder, obviously with not being the biggest kid out there either, but uh, she was very mentally tough and never let anybody, you know, get the best of her. She's been, you know, five Olympic games, only shared with one other player, Haley Wickenheiser, um, 12 different world championships. I mean, there's, she's second to none. So capping a great career by uh, being inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, what, uh, what do you think about that? I mean, you, you're, and what a class you were part of, uh, you know, Willie O'Ree, Martin Brodeur, Martin Saint-Louis. Uh, incredible honor, I'm sure, this must have been for you. Yeah, it was, uh, it was really special. And, you know, again, I, I've said so many times, it's something you don't dream about growing up. You know, you dream about winning championships and winning Olympic gold medals and you never really dream about going into the hockey hall of fame. And, um, that was just a really, it was a surreal experience for a lot of reasons, but mostly I think 
you know, being overwhelmed with the emotion of it and um, being able to share that with so many people that were a part of the journey, um, you know, whether that was my family or my teammates or friends or coaches, there was so many people that play a part of your career that it really feels almost bigger than yourself. And um, so it was just a really incredible experience and, um, you know, something that's, uh, you know, certainly one of the biggest honors of my career. Well, we, we have a clip from that induction. So uh, if we can roll that now. Vic, my story is about the power of opportunity, like Willie already spoke about tonight. Uh, it's about following a passion and not letting anybody else shape that dream. Now, as I hold the role of commissioner of the Canadian Women's Hockey League, I have the privilege of sharing my experiences and helping to leave a lasting impact for young hockey players. I believe in the power of opportunity. As a mother, I know that we're all born without biases or prejudice. And I believe if we find a way to maintain that innocence in our children, they'll know they can become anything they choose to be, regardless of gender, status, religion, or race. Dreams without borders are powerful, and fewer barriers represent freedom. Hockey has given me so much. I wouldn't be up here tonight if I didn't have the opportunity to play the game, even at a time when it was still considered a boys' sport. I hope you'll join me in advocating for the power of opportunity for everyone, because it's only when our voices are united that we become too loud to ignore. Thank you. You, you uh, mentioned you know, a lot of talk about inclusion there, which is very appropriate, I think, for particularly in that particular class. Um, at the time, you were uh, commissioner of the CWHL, and now you are, are uh, with the PWHL. Uh, how far has hockey come in, in the five years since you've been inducted? Women's hockey. Oh, it, it, it's come incredibly far. I mean, when you look at that, that league and, you know, I would say all of the, I played in three different versions of women's pro leagues and they've evolved along the way. And they were all an important part of the journey to get here where we are now with the PWHL. And we've set a new standard for professionalism in women's professional hockey. And um, it's just so exciting to see where this league is going to go. We have the the backing of an ownership group that has experience, that has capital, that has fought for the same values we have around equality. Um, you know, so we have the best players in the world that are all, you know, in one league. And we've never seen a time like mm. this for women's sports. So it's, it's so exciting uh, where we're at right now. And we know this is just the beginning. We're going to continue to grow and there's going to be some incredible professional experiences for many, many women to come. Yeah, let's look at this team here. Okay, uh, heavy hitters. Billie Jean King, uh, Lana Kloss, uh, Stan Kasten, the Dodgers president, uh, Dodgers senior vice president of business, uh, Royce Cohen, Brian Burke, of course, uh, Mark Walter, yourself. Would you call this maybe perhaps a dream team? <laughs> Absolutely. I, I'm not sure we could have found a better group to be behind this, to back this, to support it, to financially support it. Um, these people believe in what we're doing. Uh, you know, Mark Walter is probably the most prolific uh, sport owner in the world. Uh, he does everything first class, every organization he's a part of. Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss have been fighting for women's sports for over 50 years amongst other equality, um, you know, issues and social justice issues. And so, you know, our values are aligned. They come with the experience and they come with the capital to be able to, to put a business plan in place that's going to be successful. And so we feel so fortunate to have 
brought them into the women's hockey world and to have them leading the way for us. Right. And a uh, PWHL draft was just held. Billie Jean King front and center in that. She made the announcement as a Minnesota franchise. She was the first overall pick to take uh, Taylor Heisey out of the University of Minnesota. There you go. (laughs) Heisey. A five foot ten forward, sixty five points in thirty eight games. Uh, Toronto had the second pick uh, overall, which they used to take defender Jocelyn the Rock. Six of the ten uh, players picked overall, uh, first overall, were defensemen. Uh, is it surprising to hear that as a former forward. I yes, sitting up there, I I was uh, I was definitely realizing how many defensemen were being picked, and I kept thinking of all the defensemen that like to say defense wins championships and rub it in the forwards faces. So um, they the certainly was heavy on the defense. So I guess, uh, I guess we'll have to give it to them on that one. Well, um, you know, the Toronto franchise also signed Renata Fast, uh, LaRock's longtime defensive partner with team Canada. Well, would you say that overall you're glad the way, the way that the team, the draft turned out? I mean, it's pretty impressive. I have to say. Yeah, we were thrilled with the result of that. We had great media partners that were all a part of that. CBC took the lead, but we had TSN coverage, Sportsnet, Nesson, um, ESPN+. Plus. It was really great. The setup was wonderful. We had so many players and their families in attendance. We had great folks in different stakeholders in the women's hockey world that were helping make selections. So it really felt like a really historic and um, special day for our sport. So, uh, you know, Gina Kingsbury, the general manager of the Toronto team, she's focused on defense, obviously. But, uh, uh, you know, I just want to step back. The Canadian Tire sponsorship, uh, how significant was that? They were sponsors of the draft. They're a major sponsor in, uh, for the league. Um, I, I would think that that's probably good for business for both parties. Yeah, I mean, they've they've been leaders in the – the women's equity space now for a number of years, they made a commitment to, you know, fairly, you know, sponsor and support and partner with women's sports organizations. And it makes a significant difference. And uh, they coming on them coming on as a founding partner of our league is, is pretty special. And I'm not surprised because they've been incredibly supportive of everything we've been doing over the last few years, but it's great to see them there. And I think they're getting a lot of recognition for the work that they're doing well beyond just, you know, the, the, the retail stores that they operate. Uh, more sponsorship uh, news to be announced in the not too distant future. Yeah, I, I expect there to be lots more. There's there's an incredible amount of interest to get behind what we're doing. So it'll be fun over the next number of weeks and months to see that come to fruition. Okay, I mentioned Gina Kingsbury stocking up, building from the blue line out, I guess, but she also uh, signed a pretty impressive offensive talent in Sarah Nurse. Now Sarah was on this show not very long ago and, and a uh, uh, member of the new Toronto franchise. Uh, here are some of the issues that Sarah felt would need to be addressed in, in terms of the future of a, of a new league. Let's roll that. Understanding back. that we want a truly professional environment. And yes, that includes compensation, but that mostly includes professional nature. Um, you know, there's a reason that you look at guys in the NHL, the NBA, the NFL, you look and see that they have these long, so incredible careers and it's because they have the support the staff they have that first class treatment that first class travel um and 
that's something that in women's sports as a whole right now, we lack. And in women's hockey, we definitely lack. So for us, that's what we're seeking to create. We want to have a sustainable league where everybody is paid a livable wage. Um, and, you know, there are benefits, there are insurance, there's health insurance, there's injury disability, because that's something that is not seen in women's hockey um, at the present moment. Um, but also like childcare and things like that. We have to understand that as women's uh, professional athletes, we have different needs than the men. And so for us, it's all about creating that professional environment, uh, having the marketing, having uh, the admin, the people in the C-suite. You know, we need all of that to create an excellent professional atmosphere. And so um, compensation is a small part of that because obviously you need money to live. But there are so many other things that go into a professional sports league that we are looking to create. And the ball is definitely moving in the right direction. Um, and I think we're going to see it sooner than a lot of people expect. Well, she covered a lot there. Do you feel that her, her concerns are pretty much all or most mostly addressed here? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I was leading the, the Players Association for a number of years, and this was all a big part of this model moving forward. And, you know, a lot of people thought it was just about salaries. And to Sarah's point, it's well beyond that. Of course, players want to make money and need to make money. But you have to look at the overall package. Um, you know, with, there's housing stipends, there's meals, there's different things like that. Um, all the, obviously the benefits and the healthcare and all of that comes into a full comp package. But additionally, it's about the professionalism that will exist within the league. And that's around facilities, it's around infrastructure, it's around the staff that will support these players about the treatment that they get. Um, all of those things come together to create a professional league. And we're trying to ensure that we don't miss any of them. Um, it, it's an important part that the player experience is great and that we take care of these women in a professional way. Where the, is the Toronto team going to play? Is it Rico? We haven't so announced that yet. I can't, uh, I oh, can't let okay. it out yet. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. We'll, we'll hang More on to that come for on. a while. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we got six teams, a 24 game schedule starting in January. I know it would be nice to start earlier, but the fact that you guys can get off the ground in January, I think is pretty impressive. Is there a lot to be done between now and then? Yeah, there's an incredible amount of work to be done. And uh, we're working at a rapid pace at the moment. Uh, we're really thrilled with where we're at in terms of, you know, having GMs in place and head coaches in place. And we got through the draft. And now there's just a lot of additional work to do around uh, rules and regulations and medical protocols and various policies that will exist within the league and video review and um, player safety committees and just making sure all that's in place before the season starts, as well as getting the players into training camp in November. So the work never stops. Um, so we're continue to, to work hard behind the scenes, but we have incredible people that are working on behalf of this league. And, and I know that we'll get there. What about next year? What kind of schedule are you expecting uh, moving forward? So next year, the number of games will increase slightly. So this year, there'll be 24 regular season games. In year two, it goes up to a minimum of 30. So there'll be a few extra games um, because we have a bit more time to get to that point. Um, but we'll intend to grow on what we do this year. And we have very high standards for how we're going to launch in year one. But we know we're going to continue to get better as we go. So just excited to get the, the players on the ice this year and make sure that we're, we're growing every year and we're making sure that we have a fan base that's going to grow with us. Now, previous uh, leagues, uh, pro leagues, women's pro leagues, haven't had a lot of uh, support, if you will, from from the NHL. This one is a little bit different. Am I, am I correct in assuming that? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the NHL has been very clear that they weren't going to get involved until there was one league in North America. And so we have one league now in North America and uh, they've been incredibly supportive. They can provide a lot of experience, um, you know, a lot of support on the marketing, the promotional side, potentially some tie-ins at the local team market levels and um, everything we've requested in terms of support at this point in time, um, you know, around the resources and people that can help us, you know, expedite the work that we're doing. Uh, they've been more than open to have those conversations and to make connections. And so it's really been, it's been wonderful so far to be able to work so closely with them and, and feel that they're supportive of, of this entire thing that we're doing. And they're going to be there um, at every corner as we need uh, advice and experience to, to potentially provide some input. Uh, it sounds exciting because uh, I mean, the, the NHL support is I think vital for sure. Uh, you had the NWHL newsletter, which I subscribe to. I highly recommend it for people who want to keep track of what's going on with you guys. Um, final question. I like to ask our guests before they go, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Well, um, I think it's, it's always been about, um, you know, standing up for your values. And if you're doing something that you believe in, uh, you can sleep well at night. And I think that that's, you know, that's been leading me over the last three to four years um, with the PWHPA. And it's been an amazing journey. Um, it's been challenging. It's been frustrating. There's been ups and downs. And I think at the end of the day, I always believed in in what we were trying to create, which was a better future for hockey, better future for women and girls that want to be in the game, um, the societal change that we're going to create through, um, you know, professionalizing female athletes. Um, and as much as those, you know, they have those hard days and the people that, you know, maybe don't want to see you succeed. Um, to me, it was always knowing that I was standing up for what I truly believed in and, and that helped me, you know, sleep at night. So I, I think that's it. Just following your passion um, and standing up for what you believe in. Right. You don't have to say I told you so, but, you know, I told you so. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I'm really uh, impressed by what you guys have done and uh, the people involved. And, yeah, it's just I, I see nothing but an awesome future for you guys. And uh, thank you for taking the time to do this. I know you're crazy busy. It's been hard to nail you down for this, but I do appreciate you taking this time. And, uh, yeah, so good luck with the PWHL. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was great. Great conversation. All right. Thanks very much. All right. Jaina Hefford, more sports when we come back. What our kids breathe matters more than ever. But how can you tell if a school is safe to breathe in? If you could actually see what's in the air, would you keep them home? Introducing Air Patrol, making the invisible visible ensuring schools are safer for everyone breathe safely my swiss picks of the week last week i picked the two big races on mohawk's massive card for two-year-olds i picked both winners in the nine hundred and seventy thousand dollar metro pace I went with Captain's Quarters, who jumped into the lead at the half. He was challenged late by the favorite, 
But let's get the call of the finish. Legendary Hanover on the outside will try and wear him down. Clever Cody is looking for some racing room. Captain Luke is back in fourth. Gem Qual the outside fifth. It's Captain's Quarters. Legendary Hanover trying to find more. Clever Cody's got nowhere to go. Captain's Quarters, one final push from Legendary Hanover. Captain's Quarters wins the Metro Pace. Legendary Hanover was second. Clever Cody was third. Captain Luke fourth, 149 and three. Jody Jamison drove the winner. Captain's Quarters, trained by Herb Holland for owner Rich Stiles. I also picked the exactor. Jamison also drove the Metro winner last year. Everybody saw him last week. Uh, I was in an impossible spot. It was, a, you know, it wasn't a great drive, and got to shake loose and uh, 25 and two. Like horses just don't do that every day. Um, and you know, I, I knew he, I knew he had the best horse coming in. I just didn't know how the trip was going to work out, and I definitely didn't see myself removing to the lead, but. Um, he did what he's supposed to do. He goes when you ask him. He's an amazing horse. Jody's pretty obliging. I asked him to come in, and we train him in sets all the time. And, uh, you know, when it come time to race him, we, we, we knew he was a nice colt. And the only option was Jody at the time. A wild race in the Mohawk Million for two-year-old trotters. TCI, the favorite, had an early break, but managed to get back in it. Tennessee Tom would trot into the lead, but we had a terrific finish. Let's get the call. Comes Griff, Tennessee Tom, TCI on the far outside is coming on. There's six, seven across. TCI digging in though is Tennessee Tom. TCI, Tennessee Tom, TCI. You gotta be kidding me. TCI wins the million. Second was Tennessee Tom. Allegiant was third, 154 and three. Oh, a great call. David Miller drove the winner TCI. What a horse coming back from that break. Trained and co-owned by Ron Burke. Mickey Burke and Miller com commented afterwards. What were your thoughts when you got away at the back of the pack? Did you ever think that he really had a shot turning for home? No, no, not at all. Like at the quarter, I was like, ah, wait, we got we got the Breeders Crown still. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I got him out in the flow, but he, he was running in so so much around the last turn. He really wasn't making up any ground up. But as soon as he got into the straightaway, I, I said he's going to win. This Colt's so flawless normally that you just don't expect it. And when it happened, you're like, oh, no. You know, and, and it's all you can do. And then you just watch the race and see what happens. And he just put in a phenomenal effort and fortunately the race set up for somebody coming from behind to, with his talent that he was able to do it and I mean give the car cold a lot of credit he'd come back and didn't make a break you know didn't make anything other than that and just go forward and so we made some money this week coming up Thursday night at Woodbine it's a sixth race $110,000 event six and a half furlongs on the Tapita I'm looking at the number six horse Jab Sky Chernitz rides for David Cote a five-year-old mare with Three wins and seven starts this year. She's been in the money in four of her last five races. I also like the five, six, eight, exactor and triactor box. So go to woodbine.com for all the latest racing info. You can also get the latest from Woodbine Thoroughbred and Woodbine Standard Bread on Instagram and X. Go to hpibet.com, darkhorsebets.com, and bet365 for your wagering options. Discover the finest patio experience in Toronto at the Stella Ortois Terrace. Situated on the third floor of Woodbine Racetrack, 
Delight in mouth watering shared appetizer and raise a toast to the evening. Relish expertly prepared main courses that will tantalize your taste buds. Capture the beauty of sunsets. Indulge in delectable desserts. Secure your reservation today and immerse yourself in the excitement of the races. Enjoy an unparalleled view of the thrilling finish line. Well, it's a special place and uh, the food is great. The atmosphere, it's... Uh it's really a, a, a nice experience. Experience the enchantment of Stella Ortois Terrace. Open four days a week. Undoubtedly the city's premier patio destination. Addiction Rehab Toronto. Toronto's number one alcohol and drug treatment center. Saving lives, reuniting families. The only treatment center in the province to offer medical detox, treatment, sober living, and lifetime aftercare all in one place. Our unique and specialized programs are designed to equip our clients with the tools to successfully lead a life of dignity, respect, and purpose. Let us help save your life or your loved one's life. Call today for more information or to facilitate an intervention. 1-855-787-2424 or visit addictionrehabtoronto.ca. Attention security seekers, ready to take control? Introducing Corporate Protection and Investigative Services, your ultimate solution. Retailers tired of losing profits to theft? Our retail loss prevention experts have you covered. Mobile patrol, close body protection, insured door persons, we've got your security needs covered from all angles. Background investigations and civil recovery programs, trust us for thorough solutions. Licensed by the Ministry of Solicitor General, fully insured and bonded. Visit www.corporateprotection.ca or call 1-800-827-1692 for top-notch security and private investigation services. MNP, a leading Canadian national accounting tax and business accounting firm. MNP proudly serves and responds to the need of their clients in the private, public, and non-profit sectors. Through partner-led engagements, MNP provides a collaborative, cost-effective approach to do business and personal strategies to help people and organizations to succeed across the country and around the world. With local offices in Oshawa, Mississauga, Burlington, and more, their team is here to support you. Visit mnp.ca today to learn more. And we want to thank all the folks who make this show possible. These are friends trusted business associates, and all-around great folks. We highly recommend them all. Thank you for your support of Canadian and local sports. A reminder that the show is available on iTunes, Spotify, Breaker, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, and Pocket Cast, as well as the Spanglish Network, Singo TV, and Buzz TV Live. Also, check out the show on YouTube. All of our past great shows and clips are on there. There's lots of them. Check them out. You can spend hours there. Like and subscribe. It's absolutely free. Thanks once again to a great guest we had this week, Jana Hefford, and good luck to the PWHL. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next time. Brian Gribben Insurance Planning, helping you solidify your financial future. At BGIP, what we do that's unique in the marketplace is we show people how to spend and enjoy their money in their early years of retirement without the fear of running out. Also, we're able to do this without you having to change financial advisors. 
Please look us up at bgip.ca today. Let's book a 30-minute phone call to see how we can bring value to you and your family in your planning. Call Brian today for all your retirement needs. We did. 905-686-5678. Do you want to buy or sell a home? Could 31 years of real estate experience help you? Why not speak to an amazing team that loves to overpromise and overdeliver? Aldo has a tremendous team of experts on staff. They are committed to making your next real estate transaction smooth and comfortable. Call 416-GET-ALDO or visit getaldo.com. Air quality at work matters more than ever, but there's no way to tell if the space is safe to breathe in. If you could actually see what's in the air, would you even come to work? Introducing Air Patrol, making the invisible visible, ensuring workplaces are safer for everyone. Breathe safely. Rooted in 60 years of tradition, Sleepy Hollow is a private golf club with a friendly community of members just minutes from Toronto. With mature trees and rolling fairways, Sleepy Hollow provides a challenging and enjoyable experience for passionate golfers. Enjoy great golf, amazing dining, and a picturesque patio second to none. Visit SleepyHollowCountryClub.com. Joe Tilly here. My wife Penny Claire and I recently took an amazing trip to Egypt and Jordan with Trip Oppo. And here are our top 10 must-dos. Number six, the mighty temple of Abu Simbel was also a highlight. As I stood before the colossal statues of the temple of Abu Simbel, I couldn't help but feel a sense of awe and wonder at the sheer scale and beauty of this ancient monument. I would highly recommend that you book your next trip through Tripapo. Call them today. Hi there, I'm Joe Tilly. Are you ready for an adventure of a lifetime? Next March, during the enchanting cherry blossom season, join me and my wife for an unforgettable two-week journey to Japan and South Korea. In Japan, you'll experience the magic of the season as we visit the stunning Osaka Castle against the backdrop of cherry blossoms. Feed the adorable Sika deer at Nara Park, glide through picturesque landscapes on the famed bullet train, Cruise on Lake Kawaguchi and witness the awe-inspiring view of Mount Fuji. Relax in natural hot springs and savor a delightful Fuji dinner banquet while dressing in traditional robes. And of course, we'll dive into Tokyo's cutting-edge technology scene. In Korea, dress in elegant hanbok attire and step back in time at Changdok Gong Palace. Wander through Andong Village, a true glimpse into Korea's rich heritage. Delight your taste buds with the flavors of Korean barbecue. We'll even visit the DMZ area to get a glimpse of mysterious North Korea. And guess what? This incredible journey is all yours for just $54.99, all inclusive with direct flights from Vancouver or $58.99 from Toronto. Book now to unlock up to an extra $1,700 in upgrades and savings. Let's make some memories. Let's explore. Let's travel. Guests on Joe Tilly Sports receive a gift certificate from Classica Imports. Top of the line imported men's clothing. Check out the Classica Essential Collection now. Go to shopclassica.com.